up, you guys? Welcome back to Portals Podcast with your hosts, Shanae Nice, Pastor Nathan Cassis, Dr. Tony Cassis, and Dr. Robin Cassis. Enjoy the show. Amen. Thanks, Alex. Wow. That was a great show. Alex, that was good. We've been bamboozled. He had it in him all along. Look at that. Cool. He was <laughs> playing us. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Hi. No need to reiterate that introduction. We will for our Spotify listeners. For those that will be watching, hello. Yeah, this is a different Hi. portal because it's not actually live. It's going to be... Tomorrow where, night. Isn't yeah, it? they're going to watch tonight. it back, but there's going to be no questions. We're just going to... It's good. You can edit some more. <laughs> <laughs> right. We can touch up things, you know. Anywho... We are going to have another elaborate conversation about some things that we'll tell you about in a minute. We hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving party slash dinner. Yep. I said we it. sure did. Yes. It was Hopefully. a church thing. It's going on really fine there, <laughs> It's actually our 11th. Thanksgiving. 11th Thanksgiving. Since coming to America. Oh, coming to So I think we're officially seven, I think, is seven years your official. But yeah, we're actually really, really excited about the Thanksgiving holiday because it's one of the holidays that you can celebrate. <laughs> right. It seem to have any kind of darkness behind it. And we had a, a really good, you know, feast with the church family. Yeah, it was great. Because our, you know, we have family outside, but... Our church family is really the one that we enjoyed having having our meal with tonight. I look forward to it every oh, year. Oh, I oh, honestly do. Yeah. I look forward to people enjoying my food. And the food was just... Oh, you just have lots, all types of food. It was a banquet. Lots. I think I had three, yes. three servings. Well, yeah, it was a lot. Yeah, three. I wasn't the only one. There were people going right. back and <laughs> yes. I saw it tonight. It was great food, great fellowship. Great conversation. Just real family. And it's great because a lot of us aren't like, um, I'll say, New York raised in a sense or like where our family lives out of state. So it's definitely a blessing to just come together and just like honor this family as family. And it really feels like family. Even though we call it, you know, a Friendsgiving, we literally like fellowship, like family. So I thank God for that. Yeah. yeah. And what's funny is that, because um, this will pertain to what we're going to talk about tonight, but the Lord just dropped this in my spirit. Um, a lot of our people like you yourself, you know, originally you're from Georgia. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of our people are what we call like interstate mm-hmm. and they came to New York, New York as a transition. Mm-hmm. So the Thanksgiving dinner was important for us because it establishes that now... This is where you're planting. This is your home, you know, and it's nothing wrong about going back to family. But I think about Abraham and when he left his father's house, he didn't get to go back for birthdays to Terah. He didn't get, he didn't get to go back for He was told to go forward. The Lord Mm. said, get up and leave and go to a place, a land I will show you. And when I was thinking just about that then, and I know this isn't the portal, but I'll probably turn into something. Um, when God tells you to leave a place, you got to leave it. Yeah. And you got to you got to plant where He tells you to plant. Like it's like 
pasta. It's like living in two places at once. So for and, a lot of our people tonight... And one thing, I can tell you how dangerous it is to live in two places at once. You actually do the splits and fall flat in your face. And I'm talking from experience because I was living here yep. and then I was constantly living in my emotions and such in Australia. And the Lord said to me, choose... And he said to me, I said, Lord, I, I, I just don't understand why I'm torn. He said, because you're living in two places at once. Mm. Now, if you continue to live like that, you're going to do the splits and fall over. Yeah. And why I'm mentioning that is because um, to kind of give reference to why I'm mentioning that. And um, don't quote me wrong. I'm not saying going back and seeing family is the wrong thing. But when God has called you to a place... Um, like Pastor just said, kingdom emotions. It requires you to invest emotionally in that place. And, you know, holidays are a big test to see if you will invest to where God has yeah. called you. Like, we were Australian, so we couldn't just get up right. on our birthdays or it's the holidays and fly back simple. to Australia because that is a lot of money, <laughs> yeah. you know? Just a little bit. And, um, right. and it's not that going back to your family is a bad thing, but... Sometimes when you try to put a blessing on a place that God's called you out of, mm. he can't do that. Mm. So I really just honour all those people that came tonight and established that this is where God's planted them. They've come from other families. They've come from other states. But they're saying to the Lord, right, I recognise that you've called me here. You've planted me here. My future families will come from this, this state. My future husband, wife, children, you know what I'm saying? And this will be the community of faith that God uses to bring that word to pass. I think that's yeah. why, again, what I teach in Kingdom Emotions is so important about prophecy. Guess what? This is the community that God's going to use. Yeah. Not your past community. Your past community is something that he won't use to bring your word to pass. It's mm. this community. That's very wow. interesting. And so I know Pastor Tony can wow, add some scriptural very value good. to this. Because, that was good. you know, it's the very same thing with um, Mary. When she was married to Joseph, she had to leave and cling to Joseph. Yeah. God used Joseph's community to bring the Son of God up as a carpenter. That was what stepped him into his role. Wow. It wasn't Mary's community. You know what I'm saying? So I think there's a power in understanding, because um, the Lord was just downloading to me as we were starting, Abraham couldn't go home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he couldn't. Because and, God and, called him out of a place. And listen, guys, th this, is, this is how real it is. <laughs> when, uh, when you were getting married, yep. um, three or four people from church, maybe five yep. or six, they were all invited to come. Anyone was invited to come that could come, and they stayed at my house. Yep. They stayed at my house. This is house. when we were just very small at the, yeah, at the beginning. Yeah. And then, again, two years ago, we went home, mm -hmm. back, back to Australia. I mean, we went back to Australia. And uh, several people were invited to come back. Yep. If the Lord's saying to come, you then you them. come. Maybe that's what family's all about, you mm. see. Mm. Not segregating yourself, yep. but actually uniting yep. in a, a real family attitude.
You see? It's like, uh, it's too much. Too much Hollywood segregation. Yeah, that's what it is. Pastor, where would you comment on this? I think there's scriptural value to what I'm saying. You know, God made sure that Abraham's bridges, to use a worldly term, were literally burned. His father literally was killed off, you know? And in history, it tells us that when he tried to take his father along, historically, he almost terror caused him to sin. to a town, and the historians believe that God allowed that whole town to actually be set on fire so that his father couldn't go with him because the Lord said, yes. no, I called you out. Yes. Not your dad, not your family, you, Abraham. Wasn't, you it, know? wasn't it the case that he died off? Yeah. yeah. He had to die off so Abraham, or Abram at the time, yeah. could continue on the call that God had placed him because it was a diversion. It was a total diversion with his dad. Now, I'm sorry if you don't like that. Sometimes your family can pull you down. And I'm thinking, what I'm, why I'm saying that is because sometimes we hold on to these things and we're all good in the moments of war. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm in it. But it's in these testing moments of peace when everything can be nice and we have the choice where the Lord says, no, where is your heart really? Is it to where I've called you or is it to where you used to be? You know, and this is a really big test for me. Like when God called me to America, I had to move to America in my heart, you know. And like Pastor Robin, the first couple of months we were here, we were on Skype every night trying to live in Sydney and we just couldn't do it. That's what I said. We couldn't do it. It and, was like and we were, we were split. We were clinging to our church family back there, asking for prayer, all this kind of stuff. And then we had a small kind of community here that the Lord was building in and we had to learn no. This is our community. And the other thing was, Shania, this is really important, and that is uh, God wanted us to set things in order in Australia so that we could connect fully in what we're doing here. Totally. So you can't live in two places at once. There's no way. I just need to burp. But... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I understand that being from Atlanta, like I yep. said, it, it was a transition. And I'm sure I'm there's sure. something there's still searching of my own heart trying to figure that out sometimes when, like you said, things start to show itself. But And, and to, sorry, I'm just getting a download oh, from oh, the Holy oh. Spirit. To piggyback off what I was teaching last week, it's usually the very thing that you hold on to that will be the very thing that becomes the biggest obstacle between you and God. So if you're holding on to something from your past, <laughs> uh, you know, like I taught last week in Kingdom Emotions, it's not the demons, it's not the demonic forces, it's not the things that we would give so much credit to, it's the very thing that we would hold on to to be the answer more than God ends up being the very biggest hindrance to God, not the actual you know, oh, generational curses, all these things that we would give so much power to, it's your choice. Your choice to hold on to something that God's telling you to let go of would be what blocks him the most in your life. And I just looked like, I just look and I think, okay, well, Abraham had to let go. He tried to take Lot along and it got him in trouble. And God had to literally 
kill all of Sodom and Gomorrah, burn it up to show them I was never in this in the first place, you know? And so starting off on this portal, which leads to imagination, because this will lead to imagination is necessary, I believe that the first what step... what called it. Yeah, I, I believe that the first step to getting godly imagination is letting go of things that are not of the Lord. Thinking on things where you think are the priority. They're not God's priority. You can't get God's priority if you've got your priority. And again, I mentioned last week about portals. I said if you are creating a life, a situation, if you're creating a situation, a life, uh, an experience, and God's not in it, don't expect his blessing on it. Pastor, tell us, I want you to... I'm serious to, about that. I want you to chime in on this because you've also had personal experience with this. When you first got saved, the Lord didn't allow you to run back to your mother and father's house as a way of escape every time the, the fire got tough. Come on, please. Yeah, my experience was like that. Um, my parents were very much trying to draw me back into the old Tony, I suppose. Oh, say that again. The old Tony. They weren't unrighteous. Nope. Please say that again. They were trying to draw you back into the... Old Tony, right? Oh. Um, so I got, got to the point where the Lord said to me, I want you to leave your father and your mother and cling unto me and he says that yeah. you have to Same. unless you hate father mother sister brother wife son daughter so forth you're not worthy of me and, and he the lord put that on me um not that he didn't love my parents nope. but he, he could see that they were eventually going to you know draw me in and he could see that so subtly. he couldn't get to them with you in the picture exactly so i left home um I, I went from house to house for many years until we finally got married by the grace of God and then life got a little bit more stable. And then just when we think we're stable enough, God sends you to another country and you start all over again. Look, um, I just want to honour the, uh, the, the meaning of Thanksgiving started with the Pilgrim Fathers. Yes. And they left everything like That's Abraham. Right. They crossed the big Atlantic Ocean. And it was, I think, three or four years after they had settled, they had lost almost 70% of their original group. And it was that very first Thanksgiving, right, where they'd lost a lot of family members, a lot of friends to the, I think, two really harsh winters, that they, all of that didn't deter them from beginning a new life in this, in this, you know, this land of liberty let's say that yep. so anything would be better than going back to a religious bondage in wow. their whole life all right they believe freedom in the americas was worth dying for that's how much they valued the freedom that this nation um gave to you know the the pilgrim fathers so leaving england leaving holland coming here and and just surviving two very harsh winters and they sat down on the, I think it was the third spring of their um, settlement where they said, we need to thank God, even though we've experienced great amounts of loss, 
we're still focused on the promise, and that is, you know, the land of the free. So, so, so um, this is, um, uh, I think we've done it in one of our, um, one of our courses, uh, when we say it's, oh, I'm trying to think of the right word now. When you take someone along and you're not called to take them. Oh, the pitfall. It's a pitfall. Yeah, and, Abraham pitfall. Uh, one of the pitfalls is that Abraham, actually his name was Abram yep. at the time. Yep. And he took along someone God never asked him to take. So he delayed everything. Yeah. Everything was put on pause. Everything. And he went through some major trials of faith and lies yep, yep. and deception. Yep. And um, he almost, uh, you know, God really had to intervene, intervene because of this pitfall. What am I saying? I'm saying we think we know what God is saying, mm. that, uh, you know, all the family comes along. Oh, no, that's not true. I was, uh, I, I'll tell you something right now to do with my um, advice and, and also my experience was that uh, Dr. Bill Hammond um, prophesied over me and Pastor, uh, and also you were a doctor at the time, but you pastor, and he said that uh, certain things for Nathan, Pastor Nathan, yep. he said certain things for Pastor Tony and myself, but he did not say for my daughter, Christy, and I was waiting for Pastor Christy, and he did not say for Christy. Yeah, that was hard. Because she had a different work ahead of her. And I was saying, God, please, please, please. You know, I'm waiting for that word. And then he turned around to me and said, but um, your daughter won't be with you. She has another field. And that was a bit of a, a little bit of a disappointment and some pain. But I thank God. It was hard. She is where she is, um, you know, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ into the lives of people and re-establishing Christ in people yeah. and getting it established in herself as well. Yeah. She's doing an amazing work. So we couldn't I remember do, that prophecy. We couldn't do accurate. it, what she's do doing. Do you remember it? It really yeah, hurt he said, Pastor, uh, the Lord said through Dr. Bill, he said, you have a desire to have your family around you and all ministering yeah. together, but he said that's not going to work out for a while, you know, and... Um, there's going to be a bit of a time mm. where you're separate. Yeah. And Pastor and I were really put back a bit because... Because um, I was hoping he'd say different. Yeah. Because uh, I think Christy was with us. Yeah. Uh, no, she wasn't. She was um, back in Sydney. Oh, okay. Mm. And But the thing is, you know, um, one thing I've learned... Uh, to do with imagination here. Mm. We're going to talk about it. Is imagination necessary? Uh, yes, if it's godly. 
know if it's not godly. And so ungodly imaginations is a work of your own flesh. Well, to back you up on this, imagination is the first step to creation. There you go. So, and that's what we were going to teach this week in Kingdom Emotions about heightened imagination leads to heightened emotion, whether it's godly or ungodly. So imagination is the first step to creation. The fact that we have an imagination is the very thing that makes us in the image of God because it's with our imagination that we create nothing, something from nothing. Like a thought comes out of literally nowhere and you can create something out of nothing. Like God, he, he spoke out of a formless earth and formed what out of what was formless. But what's funny is that the enemy knows that, that imagination is the power of creation. And so if he can get you to have ungodly imagination, you have ungodly creation. And then you're stuck with what you've created. Wow, that's good. Yeah. But I want to go back to this um, coming, I know we haven't even gone in yet. Is this right? We haven't even gone in yet. We just started. We'll use it, but we'll record in the next one. No, we, we, we usually do an intro where we press, but we just, the Holy Spirit just went, threw us in. Went we'll straight just, in there. We'll just, yeah, we have a timer, so we're good. But I want to go back to this, because this is something that I just learned in my final paper um, to do with moving the invisible boundaries of the heart, a course that I'll be teaching next year. The thing about, Lord, help me, let me deliver this right. The thing about going back is usually what going back means going back to a people group that God has called you out of. Yeah. And sometimes even that people group is your family. Now, they're not bad people, but the thing about people groups, what I learned psychologically is people groups keep you in their version of you. Yeah, that's too much familiarity. So anytime you start to go beyond what they think yeah. you can be or what they say is their understanding of who you are, they can't comprehend it. That's, that's so they, exactly why. So they either why. squash it or they try to tame Change it. it. Mm. So God calls you out of a people group, could be your family, could be a group of friends, could be a lifestyle. And if you go back to that, it's like a regression because God's doing a current work, a current move, cutting edge of faith. If the people group that you keep going back to aren't in that cutting edge of faith work, that God's doing, then they're not really, you're not really being affirmed as the real you. Mm. You're only being affirmed as what the people say is approving. This is why it's so bad to be ungodly yoked with a non-believer because that non-believer will know you a certain way. And when you grow beyond them in a certain way, spiritually, they will try to pull you back into their version of who you are. Because the people group is all about once you go beyond their limitation of their understanding of you, they can't comprehend the change. So, yeah. And there's usually an alpha in the people group. We see that in high school. There's always a ringleader, you know? But it's like that in high school. If you, when you go through those clicks in high school, the thing about clicks, um, I was learning this, the click is always keeping you into subjection about what they say about you is true. Yeah. Like the popular girls at school. When the popular girl says your dress is nice, then it's nice. But the moment you start thinking for yourself, hang on, I can say that this is nice without your opinion, that's the danger. Because now the people group realise, ah, you're, you're going beyond for what yourself. I can say is the real version of you. And this is why the Lord 
doesn't allow us to be tied to the people that he's called us away from. But that's because, uh, and uh, the way you've put it, but it's really familiarity yeah. is breeding contempt. And when you start to make choices, yep. it's not going to be comfortable, you see, because when you're in the people group, you just go along with the people. But the problem, Pastor, is that when you make choices in the community of faith like Abraham, Abraham's choices to his father would not have made sense if he had taken him along the way because he, he was not living on the level of faith. But Furthermore, I, Abraham's father would have compromised and watered down his choices. But can I tell you just a little bit more to do with Abraham's father? Abraham's father was a man who went by his culture, exactly. his life. And so everyone in the household had to follow his God. His God. That was the culture of the day. The father of the house determined which God was served. So here we go. We've got God introducing himself, our God introducing himself to Abram. People don't get this. They, I don't know what they thought it was all about, but you see, that was the story. So God had to get Abram out of that house. Yep. He had to. Otherwise, there would have been a competition with the God of, of Abraham's father and the God of Abram. There would have been a competition. So, guess what? Abram was going to be, uh, Abram's father was going to be very, very, very much embarrassed because his family were not playing right because Abram found God Almighty and he began to speak to him and he began to show him he wanted a relationship and this is the real God. So, Abraham's father, what's his name? Tamar? Terah. Terah turns around. The Terah, yeah. Terah turns around and what's he do? He turns around and he says, I got to make this better. Yeah. I got to fill in the gaps here because everybody's looking at my household and uh, my son's not following me and my family is not following me. So, I'm going to show them that I've made the decision. It was my decision. Yep. It wasn't my son's decision. So I'll go on the journey with him. Get what I'm saying? I live my, my experiences like that. You know, like me going back to my family community, they would have had more say than God. And I think yeah. that's why God says... You need to leave your father, your mother, and and that's and that's, that's because he wants he wants to be the final word. And, and God could have never built His version of you. Follow this. God could have never built His version of you under yes. their shepherding. But it's even more because we're talking here. We're not just talking about building. We're talking about the reality, the revealing of the real God, Almighty God. 
not some God, but the real God, you see? And so he invites himself along. He's the one that gives the impression to all the neighbours around, this is my decision. This is what I've decided to do. And so the people then don't make him feel embarrassed or ashamed because his family is not rebelling against him. They're actually, everybody believes that his father is serving the real God now. Yeah, it was his idea. And so it begins bad, really, really bad. And it gets worse. And it gets worse till eventually what's God got to do? Let him die off. Because until he died off, Abraham wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. He was getting more and more detoured, caught up and not going the way of the God that just revealed himself. So only then when the old life was killed off, the old life was killed off, could Abraham get back on the journey that God wanted him on. I want to read, can I read something quickly just that pertains to this? It will back it up. This is from the chapter, right? And this is from the psychological aspect. It's called. Reason. I did a whole study yeah, on this. Yeah, I know this. It says, one of the most powerful influences over any person is that of their peers. Our friends and peers form a subculture. Cultures produce shared consciousness, which becomes an incredible pressure. Even in psychology, there is an understanding without re-socialization, an individual can seldom sustain his or her choices for a different life. The influence of the group is often too pervasive. We are so closely identified with the group that it is part of our personal identity. One of the problems with the group is that they tend to function by an order that has never been verbalized, but is firmly fixed. Each member of the group fits into a specific place and function. When we begin to change, we upset the unity and order of the group. The group on a conscious or sometimes subconscious level attempts to force us back into our place in the group. There is a massive emotional pressure to go back to seeing yourself the way you and the group have always seen you. Yes. Then there is an added loss of identity within us that results from separation from the group. Because we're separated from them, we now force ourselves to be what they think we are because we have a separation anxiety on a psychological level. Wow. So this is really what is taking place with the Lord knew that Abraham couldn't become, well, Abram couldn't become Abraham under terror. No, he couldn't. And he was still not all that God wanted him to be until his father was dead. He had to die off. And what does that represent? It means our life, our whole old life has to die off. And it doesn't mean to say that it's so evil. But if you're going to move on, the old's got to die. You, and here's the key. You have to see it going to grab the new. Yeah. And again, I read in this statement, the added loss of identity that results from separation from the group, which is a form of death to self. Yep. Yeah. God separating you from the group is a deliberate thing that he does to kill what you think you are. 
And he deliberately says, you can't go back to it because I killed that. Mm. And you can't rely on the group now to give you your identity. You've got to come to me because the group was taking a place that I was always meant to have. And the group isn't necessarily following the same God. We're supposed to be talking about imagination. Well, I mean, this is imagination. We're talking That's about... what we're talking about. We're talking about things that don't ungodly bring imagination. God... Ungodly imagination, ungodly creation. You know, but I love what the author says here. He says that loss of identity... We have to follow the leading of the Lord. That separation anxiety that we think we have is an actual self-preserving of our ego to get us back to what we think we should be according to the group. Now, let's put this into a, a biblical example. Abraham would have felt separation anxiety from his family. First time being out on his own, not under the tutelage or under the covering of his father, right, when he eventually died off. Any need in Abraham to go back to his father was actually Abraham saying to himself, I need to be what I used to be in order to survive. This is what the, the psychologist here is saying. It's this form of self-identity that is mixed in. It's a real deep concept, but I love it because it's psychology and I love getting to this stuff. It's a real deep concept about self-identity masked by separation anxiety. Basically, it says, without the group, I don't know who I am. And that's why the Lord says, hang on, the group doesn't give you your identity. Your family doesn't give you your identity. Your workmates don't give you your identity. Your friends don't give you your identity. I give you your identity. That's the very reason that I'm now calling you to be separate from them because they've given you too much of who you think you are. But you, I didn't call you according to they, who they say you are. Yeah. I call you according to who I, I say, say you, you are, are and where I've planted you. Yeah, that's really good. And this is what he did with us in Australia. We literally were clinging to the church in Sydney and we had separation anxiety and the Lord had to say, hang on, the, the new talk that I'm building can't be according to how you used to do it yeah. with this community of faith. I think it came down to even more than that. And Sorry, if, we talked, if we talked on a personal level and I'm talking from my own experience here and maybe that of the family and that is... Um, if I went back to Sydney, I have grown beyond the Sydney and the Sydneyites know that. And I, I'd probably kill them because I've gone ahead of them so far, I couldn't hold back. And they know that, you see. So that's a good thing that I know my place. I know my place. And my place is where God has said, this is my next step. My next step is to grow in where I've placed you more and more. And so, you know, as much as I love every single one of them in Sydney, I can't go back. Yeah, exactly. I can't go back. But the wonderful thing about it is my family know, yeah. my church in Sydney know, and they support because I'm, tr I'm leading away 
that they are beginning to follow. Yeah, and they've come forward so much. Definitely, have, so much. They've come forward so much. Again, I'm going to read something because I want it pertains to what we're talking but about. But do you understand what I'm saying? It's like and I, I believe that I we couldn't, couldn't, Pastor. What Christy, what Pastor Christy is doing as our representative there is very is good. what they need. Yes. We couldn't do what she's doing because it would frustrate oh, us. Oh no, I couldn't. Because we would say, <laughs> Lord, there's so much more. No, no, I'd be, I'd be frustrated. We would compromise on what God had called us to do. But look, let's be on it. I, I would be so frustrated. I, <laughs> I think Debbie said, "Mum, you wouldn't want me back. I'd kill you <laughs> emotionally." <laughs> <laughs> I'd be expecting far more from you and that's not fair. That is not fair. But what they are doing is very good and it's growing. Yeah. But I've grown beyond it so I can take them somewhere yes. they haven't been if they just uh, fulfil all they need to do right now. Let me read this and then we'll go into a break. So the person who is a Christian psychologist and a theologian is tying it in with what Paul says here in the Scriptures. But he talks about new believers who never separate themselves from destructive associations, right? But he also talks about it in another part of the chapter that this also happens within not-so-destructive associations, associations that we have that we think are godly. You know, anytime we let the group define who we should be, beyond who we should be defined by God, something is wrong. He says, he knew believers who, who never separate themselves from destructive associations seldom, if ever, go far in their journey of personal transformation. They mm. cling to the old image of themselves as part of their group. They are reminded of it in every social interaction within the group. Paul gives a somber warning, do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits. If we remain in the company, listen to this, that seeks to hold us in our earlier patterns of dysfunction, we fall prey to the power of culture. Jesus made the astonishing statement about culture. Through your traditions, you make the word of God of no effect. No effect, yeah. Let's go deeper. The word tradition is the act of giving up or giving over. The Jews gave over to religious customs that had become a part of their culture, even though they were really not in God's word. The traditions of the group that God has called you out of are compromised views and behaviours that have been accepted within the group. But make no mistake, these social and familiar pressures and expectations have the power to neutralise the Word of God in your life, primarily because they hold you captive to a world and a mindset that only sees you as the old man. Okay, mindset that sees you as the old man. And I'm not talking about a sinful old man. Hear what I'm no, talking no, no. about. We're I'm flesh. talking about people that are on your journey of faith know how to hold you accountable to the to the level yes. that you should be living at. Yes. People that are not on that journey don't know the level of faith you're living at. They know an old level of faith. You fall back. You backslide. I'm sorry, but if you're not going forward, guys, I got news for you. If you're not going forward and you stop, you're backsliding. It's 
true. Because forward movement stops you going back. Okay? So if you think you can put that in there and give me a ring for that, because I want people to think about that, because we don't understand what backsliding is. Standing still is backsliding. We always think it has to be something else. Sin and deliberate, like, you know, darkness and... But it's yeah. not. If no. you're not going forward, Ooh, then good. you're going back by default. Because if you're standing still and you're not going forward, then you are backsliding by default. You get that? It's really important that you get that because people don't understand. And so Abram wasn't going forward. He was just going round and round and round until God said, I've had enough of this. I'm going to deal with this. Are you going to move forward? I'm going to take him out. And you are you going to go forward? Now, I really don't know if he got saved. Mm. I don't know. I don't know if, is his name Tayra, not Tamer, Tayra, if he got saved. Well, he was an idol worshipper. I know he was an idol worshipper. And he was an idol worshipper when he was in that town. Mm -hmm. And eventually he died out. Now look at the price that was paid for doing something in your own strength with your own imagination. You know what? What did he imagine? If he brought dad along, dad would finally get saved. Was God in any of that? (laughs) You know what? I, I, I have, have one nowhere. thing Are we before it goes further. <laughs> I want to say one thing. I have one thing too. I can't fire. match, and I thank God for it. I can't match God's imagination for me. Mm. I can't. And this is the key, Pastor. We go to another example before we go to the break. The Lord just dropped this in my spirit. I talked about it on Sunday. The story of Isaac and Rebecca, right? Because we have. Because I want to. I want to put it into without preaching at people, everyday circumstance. I wasn't going to talk about no. this. I was going to talk but about gonna, something but totally But the imagination different. ties in. This is, but this pertains to Thanksgiving because those people had to leave who those other people said they were yeah. to become who they were. You know, and, um, but something that's really powerful that the Lord just put in my spirit is he can only trust you with people that affirm his current identity of who you are. Yeah. Anytime someone doesn't affirm what he's doing in you as the most current identity, God will probably call you away from them. And the other thing is... And Pastor, the example is Rebecca. Yeah. Abraham knew that Rebecca was not just going to be another wife. She was going to be the mother of nations. Yeah. And God allowed Rebecca to come out of Laban's company because Laban just looked at her as another daughter, another person, just bearing some children. 
did not see the significance. So when Rebecca and Isaac came together, God said, right, you're better under him because this is the real identity of who I've called you to be. You know what I'm saying? So I really hear the Lord saying he, can, he, he has to trust those people that affirm the present reality of who he says we yeah. are. And that's yeah. usually the community of faith that's walking through it with you. And if your parents confirm the, uh, the positive reality that he says you are, like my parents, I'm, they affirm who God says I am every day. And that's why they're on the journey with me. And, and the other wow, thing is, <coughs> the other thing is that uh, Abram, if he'd stayed there, would have been an idol worshipper. Idol worshipper. That's who he was. That's who he was. He had to come out to be a follower of God. He had to come out. Now, if he chose to stay there, he would have been an idol worshipper. So he came out, he brought an idol worshipper with him, so in his father. So he had to go round and around and be toured, detoured, and then his nephew, his nephew, well, let's bring him along as well. These are all imaginations that we make up. We make them up, Pastor. We make them up. Oh, this will work. And again, I'm going back to this thing about Laban. If Laban had seen who Jacob and all of those people really were, he never would have crossed them like he did. He never would have gotten on the side, wrong side of God by deceiving them. He just looked at Jacob as another person working for him. Obviously, he was a greedy man, so greed was the thing that motivated him. But I'm talking about from perception point of view. He never saw the blessing of God on Jacob so much so no. that if he crossed Jacob, he was crossing heaven. Yeah. He just thought, uh, this is another one this, of these relatives yeah, that I can use. Yeah, just a relative of mine. You know, so, and the danger of that is God can't let you stay in an environment that doesn't affirm you as who he says you are, present reality, because that will alter your sense of identity. Why? And you'll start questioning who you are and blaming God. Yeah. If Abraham had stayed with his father, good he would have started questioning, hang on, well, did I really hear you? Because Abraham's father's culture and traditions and opinions would have gotten in the way of Abraham's revelation. No, son, you didn't hear anything. You know, mm-hmm. like what I'm trying to say is it started to alter his sense of identity. And, and this and is why it, God calls us out. And even though he got called out, what was he hearing to take two people along who were not called to go? His own imagination, his own desires, and his own thoughts, and maybe even, you know, I can convince God. I can convince God this is a good thing that I'm doing. Maybe I can get God to introduce himself to my dad and to my nephew. But it never happened. His father died and I don't believe he died a Christian, a believer. And his nephew, well, 
I don't think he died a believer either. So two lives were lost because of man's imagination in his life. And I, that's why I say when we come down to it, I would not match my imagination in my flesh with God's imagination for me in the spirit. Thank you. <laughs> we need to take a break. You know, I didn't plan to talk on Abraham. We need to take a break. When we were just, when the Lord started speaking, he starts speaking and you got to go with the flow. If not, it'll be your own imagination. But anyway. It, I got to say, what was that? If not, it'll be your own Again, <laughs> let me just say one thing. And yet another situation when you don't take someone along that God wants you to take along. Oh, I am actually seeing my son, Brooke, I can see him coming into the plan of God. I didn't imagine that. That was bigger than my imagination. We're going to take a five minute break to cool off. Sinead is going to go get her breath back. Exactly. And then we'll come back with some more. Wow.
breath. Everybody breathe it out. <laughs> you gotta breathe this stuff out, man. You can't agree with it. We gotta agree, break agreement. Break the 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 agreement. That's my break agreement. Okay, Pastor Tony is going to bring us back in. I'm going to read this one statement to get the conversation started because we started having a subportal like we used to when there wasn't any questions and we used to get more revelation. Listen to this statement. Oh, my Lord. When we perceive ourselves as anything other than our new identity in Christ, we are like a drunken introvert who suddenly becomes the life of the party or the little guy who wants to fight the biggest man in the room. What has happened? Our drunken state alters our true sense of identity. What does that mean? If we take for people to tell us who we are, other than anything that God says who we are, on the current level of faith that we're required to walk at, then we become like that drunken introvert and we begin to lose all sense of reality of who we really are. And God allows it because... We've been relying on people to give us identity and not him. Pastor Tony's going to bring it out in scripture. Well, you, I think that's really good. You put it on the target there. I think a lot of us suffer from wanting the approval of people and to them affirm us in what we think or the, what we think we should be or what they think we should be. And this is where parents come in as a major, major stepping stone for godly a godly future. Yeah. We all know that parents love their children, but that love cannot get in the way of God's will for their child. And, and this is why a parent can be a provider, it can, uh, can be a comforter, but they could be the best parent in the world, but in God's eyes, the worst parent in the world because they're developing a child that is not fulfilling his dream as their creator for their lives. So Nate asked me, and then this is Nate's revelation, but he just wanted me to comment on when Jesus was 12 years old. Um, the whole, they, in those days, the whole clan of Joseph and Mary's family from Bethlehem, they would travel in like a, a mini caravan yeah. to Jerusalem for Passover. So they'd go three times a year. Passover, um, Day of Atonement, and then um, Tabernacles. So at Passover, this particular year when he was 12, Jesus decided he was going to stay in the temple and keep, you know, interacting with the scribes and the Pharisees and the teachers. And unbeknown to his parents, they assumed he was in the group that was returning back to Bethlehem. And they traveled three days before they realized he was gone. So it must have been a large family group. Because they were thinking, oh, he was with Uncle Fred or cousin a big caravan. Julia or It was whatever. a big sort of caravan. Because yeah. um, and then when they returned and found him in the temple, mm. his mother put that mother's, or his parents put Extra that parental boundary on him. I think it's a form of expectation. Yeah, and so when when Mary and Joseph said to Jesus, son, don't you realize that your father and I, she actually called Joseph his father, 
Your father and I have been anxious for you. Looking in, for In you. other words, you. why did you put us through this stress? And the Lord's answer at 12 years old was quite profound. He said, don't you know that I should be about my father's business? In other words, he was saying, don't superimpose on me your expectation of who I should be or how I should be who I should be. And with his stepfather right there in front of him, he said, I'm about my father's business. Now, yeah. back to what Dr. Robbins said earlier, Abraham had a difficulty disconnecting from father in the flesh to father yeah. in the spirit. Yeah. And that's why God had to get between him and his father. He, he had and to. And eventually between him and his nephew. Because um, like, like um, Joseph and Mary, yeah. Abraham's parents, father and mother, would have tried to keep him in, in the Abraham that he wasn't. But, but Lot, Lot, you could, Lot um, was never allowed to stay with Abraham. Never. You choose one and I'll have the other. That's it. Now, isn't that interesting? He went on the journey which he shouldn't have gone on. But when he got to a place, he got confronted with, you take the high land and I'll take the low land. Do you understand? I mean, I'm saying it like that. But that's really interesting because we think we take things on a journey and we can fit them in to our experience. We take him on a journey. And that was the most damaging thing that he could have done. Seriously, I've got to say it. I don't think we take any, you know, when I God doesn't say it. I don't know if Lot, if he stayed there, maybe God would have spoken to him. I know that but he I, had no chance when he went with him. I know that God gave a lot of grace with Lot because what, what was Abraham to do? It's his brother's son. His father has, had just died. Now his grandfather's dead. I mean, what, just leave him? Abandon him? I mean, what, what was he supposed to but do? Look, this is what Pastor just said. See, we think we can take people on a journey, but all you do is take them on trials. That's true. He a journey that God has ordained is not a journey. It's just a walk of trial. But hang on. And he a compromise. Lot, Lot was full of compromise. But that didn't bless him. No. He got cursed out of it. He didn't get blessed out of it. No, I'm not justifying it, but I think You myself... asked me a question. Let me answer it. He didn't get the blessing of the Lord. I think your mindset... Abraham or, or Lot, Lot didn't get the blessing of the Lord. So yeah. your, your mindsets need to change. Don't ask what, what was he supposed to do. He was supposed to do what God wanted him to do, not what he thought was the best thing to do. And funny enough, we see the same pattern with Jacob when he was meant to, you know not stay those years and Laban deceived him. God arose within, funny enough, talking about imagination creation, between Lot and Abraham, God arose arguments within their shepherds saying, right, these are our sheep, these yeah. are yours. Yep. God let those little mind, 
what I'm trying to say is God, when you take people along, please catch what I'm about to say, that God isn't allowing you to take along, it'll be the little things, not the big things. It'll be the little things that you don't agree on that will bring the real separation. Not the things that you should have separated on, meaning your stand of faith. It'll be those little things that God will say, right, well, you didn't do it my way. I, I want to disagree because of righteousness. So now I'm going to use every little petty thing to bring the severing that should have taken place. I want to bring in something that God's just dropped in me. And this is going to really challenge you, doctor. Really, you, you, you seem change. to have the impression that I'm supporting Lot. I'm not. No. I'm saying if I was but, tested with the same thing, but the I would balance, consider it. Okay, would you? Then you need to get prayer on this one. <laughs> your, you really your do. Your black and white theology is killing me. But maybe a bit of it would help. Amen. But I'm just going to bring up, and this is really worth thinking about because this is what the Lord just dropped in me. From the very beginning, when God spoke to Abram yep. and told him to leave and it was going to make him a, a father of nations, that was the promise, he manipulated yes. and thought, ah, we're not got any children, possibly yes. Lot is going to be my son yes. in which it's going to yes. all come through. Yes. So from yes. that moment, let me finish, please, because this is straight from the Lord. From that moment, the manipulation of Abram Woo. began. He got the promise from God from the beginning and he immediately started manipulating and saying through his own imagination oh my Jesus. that ah, Lot is going to be the one. I can help you. And then he goes and he carries it on and he doesn't stop. Now, let me challenge you. Wouldn't it been better if he'd not done that in the first place, what's he, what you said to me, what's he supposed to do? And that he stopped going by his own imagination. <laughs> Sorry, I had to scream on that one. Because so it followed it's so true. him. Let me finish. God says it followed him and kept following him and following him right through every single thing and to finally God had to get him where he wanted yeah. him. Get rid of his father, yep. separate Lot from him yep. and finally stop the lies that he was telling yep. and then he still goes and blows it and brings Ishmael into the picture. Ah, this is not Lot this time. It's Ishmael that's oh. going to fulfil it. Oh, my Lord. I agree with everything you said. No, 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 but don't come on portals <laughs> and say, what's he going to do? You cannot stand there I and say... I agree with everything you said with grace. Did you hear what I just said? That's a pretty heavy statement when you say, I would. Say I would. I'd say I don't know what I would do Tony, if I was to the same way. You know Tony, I, mean? I don't think it's the right thing to bring it up like that over here. I think it, we have to 
look at it because we're saying about our imaginations versus God's imagination for us. God's imagination for us is creative. Ours is destructive. Totally. Well, then you have to say always go with God's word above Amen. everything else. That would do me fine. But I can the, you I see? I think the truth is what Pastor is saying. If Abraham's imaginations were leading him into the presence of God, away from his own self-ideas, right. then those imaginations could have created godly solutions. There you go. And because his imaginations were leading him into his own self-counsel, his own good ideas, his own good intentions of the heart, they did not create. All they did was create Ishmael's illegitimate things that God had to clean up. From yeah. Lot to Ishmael to the lying to Pharaoh, lying to Abimelech, until God literally had to get Come Abraham on. to the point and go, I'm going to give you another chance. Did it stop there? I'm going to change your name. And now with the changing of the name, there has to come a changing of nature. But hang on a minute. Did it stop no, there? No, it didn't stop there. Did it stop with that generation? Finally, no. Isaac. Isaac did, did the it... very same thing. <laughs> come on. Yeah, it repeated. Yeah, over when the same is thing. it going to stop? Your imagination, and I will say this, I told you before, can't match what God's creative imagination has for your life. Mm. And so in saying that, we don't know what God wants to show us if we let him. Seriously. And I have a personal testimony. In my life, I've seen loose ends everywhere for years. I'm looking now, I'm seeing loose ends yes. tied up that I never even imagined could happen. God's way, mate. For years and years and years. Now it's time to tie this one up. Where would you have something to do with that, yep. Robin? Yep. I had nothing to do with all I did was start something and God now is running the show completely and finishing it. I look every day and I see another loose end tied up. I couldn't imagine this. I couldn't imagine this. I thought it would all have to happen on maybe de my deathbed or someone else's deathbed. I did not think I would see it in my life. One thing after another thing after another thing. And uh, I need to see, because I don't want to do the Abram thing. And you know what I say to you? You say to me, what's he supposed to do? Um, I think we're supposed to learn from that. Because our Bible is an instruction book sure. to learn from. Not to By the agree way, Pastor, with. just uh, for the record, Dr. Bill Hammond brought that out in his book. That's I brought it up it's because okay. the Lord said he's a family man. Abraham's a family man. So God gave him a lot of grace because mm. he had attachments. But, but God grace, had to cut off grace. all those family members and it was a lot more painful after all those years. And it, you say it was a lot of grace? Yes, it was on his part. But he reaped badly what That's he what sowed. Saying. The cutoff at the end with Lot, it was disastrous. But we're not even talking about Lot. We're talking about even his promised son 
fell again and oh, kept. With Ishmael. Yeah. Yeah. And Isaac. The whole lot just kept on and going repeated, and, and going and, and going. You see, it's. I'd say the grace that God gave him was not wiping him out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Because was it you that suggested because he didn't do it God's way, it took so long, the 25-year yeah. wait? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing is... We talk about grace. He's a great man of faith, but the faith was not overnight. Oh. But I think listen, people think his faith came overnight. And the, the greatest step of grace, if you really under... It's something you don't deserve. So when uh, I think it's... Uh, what was uh, Moses' wife? Zipporah. Yes, yeah, Zipporah. I'm trying Zippy. to remember. That's Zippy. it, Zippy. Zippy. What'd she do? She had to... Draw the line. She yeah. had to draw the line because if she hadn't drawn the line, even Moses would have died. Yeah, God was ready to wipe them all out. That's a grace. Tell you what. That's a grace. Well, back to our original example. When we, when we moved to the United States, mm -hmm. he, he was basically saying indirectly, I don't want you to stay in that cultural mindset of church, right. mm -hmm. the right. old way. I want you to get a whole new concept of how I build my kingdom. Yep. And literally we're like, we're like pilgrims, I suppose. Yep. We were experiencing in a very small part what the pilgrims must have experienced. Not that we were under any religious restrictions, but we, were, we created our own subculture. Yeah. That now the Lord wanted to say, no, break out of that right away from that and start yeah. with getting your culture or your identity from me again. And yeah. I go back to what Pastor was saying. It's I a said new a, culture. I said a statement. From, um, for, just let me say, it's a new culture for America. Yeah. We could not have brought yes. Australian We could here. not have brought yeah. the Australian we had well, to well, that didn't work. Work. I know, I tried. We actually had to work with the Spirit yeah. to, teach to us. meet what we needed to do here. Yeah. yeah, and that's caused us to go even further, a unique way. Yeah, which made us even more effective for the church in Australia. Yeah, yeah our Australian gospel was limiting us. You know, the way that we did church in Australia was not effective for a world-reaching no. ministry, which is what we are. Mm. You know, and God had to—he saw that, and that's why he couldn't let. But I want to go back to what you said about imagination, because I said something in the course pertaining to this. I said. Only what God says is true is what you're allowed to imagine. That's it. Wow. Everything else is wasted space and of it's your wasted mind. Wasted energy. Wasted energy. So that, and it's everything else is unfulfilled. God will not fulfill anything said it again. but what he says is true. And this is so powerful for our lives because think of all. I actually gave the students an exercise. I said, I want you to take inventory of all your thoughts for one day. And I did this I when I was doing my course. Only 40 minutes throughout my day did I meditate and imagine what God said was true. And it really convicted me. I'm like, oh, my God, I've just given 11 hours and, you know, 20 minutes to ungodly imagination. Now, 11 hours and 20 minutes, and they weren't bad thoughts. They were just fear, anxiety, what if. What if this? Maybe we should do it this way, God. Maybe I could do this. Yep. And, and it was never, and what, what, what is oh, God, what thoughts. God says is true. What God has revealed to you. 
Everything else he doesn't want you thinking on. And how do you know? Well, I believe it was God who revealed it to me. Well, fruit. Look at the fruit of Abraham. Lot is not good fruit. Ishmael is not good fruit. Lying to Pharaoh is not good fruit. Lying to Abimelech is not good fruit. There we go. This is all fruit. If he had gone to God and said, guess what? What should I do about Lot? He never gave God the opportunity. Yep, that's the key. He never let God tell him his plan for Lot. I'm sure God had a more creative way, yeah. less harming for Abraham, less harming for Lot, and probably had a way that Lot could have been redeemed. But uh, guess what? what? Abraham put the stumbling block in front of Lot. And people don't teach that, but it's the truth. It was the fact that he took him along, that Lot's shepherds and all of that, God arose that up and he said, right, I'm going to go to that land called Sodom. Abraham took him out and said, where do you want to go? Right, I'll go down there. But isn't that funny how if he had never went along, he never would have been put in that place. And God had to say to Abraham, you've done this. So now I have to bring the separation. Wow. You didn't do really it like I asked you to do it. So now I have to do it and I have to do it with force. Mm. It's crazy because if Abraham had gone and said, Lord, what do you say about Lot? You've just told me about all these descendants I'm about to have. Surely you can speak to me about Lot. Yep. He never gave God the opportunity. And that's what ungodly imagination is doing. It's not giving God, God the, the opportunity, opportunity to create a creative solution. And again, it's all um, self works. You're listening to that. Yeah. Let we it didn't let give it God land. an opportunity to bring about a creative solution. So, and that's powerful because when you think about your thoughts and you think about all the thoughts that are void from the Lord, they're void. They're, they're thoughts that you've never given God the opportunity to speak into. You haven't wanted to hear what He wants to say. Let's be honest. The thoughts Whoa. that you think that are outside His truth are thoughts that you want to think deliberately. That avoid from him. We all do it. I think it's that, the choice. I think and can I just say scientifically, it's that choice that fires the synapses for the protein to connect. The well, thought can't land until you choose it. And so I'm gonna talk about something here that my conversation is talking God's ear off. That's my conversation. I, I do. You, you, you hear me all the time. All the time. Nothing. What do you say about that, God? What do you want done about that, Lord? How do you want me to feel about this? And I, it, it, it's talking his ear off, you know, constant, nonstop, because I can't afford to do anything else. Because we're in a situation where we're hanging on by the, you know, our nails, you know, digging our nails in, holding on to God when we're hanging over a cliff. Do you understand? Yep. And it's only him that's holding us. Nothing of me and nothing of you, but just all of the Lord. So it's... Okay, I'm really bothered by this. What are you saying about it, Lord? What do you want me to do about it, Lord? What's happening here, Lord? Where do we go from here, Lord? I talk his ear off all the time. And I feel it's the best way because when I 
chalk his ear off and I turn around, he's done something. And I know it's been him, not me. Because I asked a question. He answered it. Wow. And Pastor, it's those things coming back to the emotional part. It's those things that you don't talk his ear off about that will become the boundaries that hold in the sense of self that he can't touch. Yeah. If I don't talk to him about those things, those are the boundaries around the heart that hold in the wrong sense of self. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, see, if I talk to him about the things, Whoa. then he can touch it. Yeah, all he can get time. to it, and there's no boundary there. But it's the things that I don't talk to him about. It's the things that I don't think he wants to create, the things that I don't think he wants to speak into. And at the end of the day, he might say to some of us, including myself, well, guess what? You never gave me the opportunity to yeah. speak into it. How do you know I, what I would have done? I don't want ever for How him do you know to what say I that said? to me. Well, I thought you said this. Well, son, daughter, you never actually gave me the opportunity. You just thought it without me. I said I, I think we're getting to the point where we're realizing we can't even think without I, him. I was going to say, I never want to get to that point. And Mary, funny enough, bringing out that, the Lord said to me the very same thing. She was subconsciously saying, Jesus, you've broken away from the group. <laughs> Come back to the group and do what the group says is correct to do. And I love that he says, no, 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 no. I'm not about your group. I'm about my father's business. And then when he, when he was older, remember the wedding at Cana? Yep. She tried to prematurely push him out of the group. And he said, back off a bit. This is my ministry, not yours. And, <laughs> and the disciples were constantly trying to push him out of the group. Yeah. And Judas was trying to bring him back oh to the group. Oh, my God. Was he ever trying to big no, him Judas back? No, Judas had no group. <laughs> <laughs> but this is powerful because it does tie in with imagination in a godly way that we've talked to and tied it in tonight to do with letting go of the past. And I really hear the Lord saying, and I'm just going to say it, the Lord is saying through this portal, don't try to get him to bless somewhere where he called you out of. Yeah. Because the blessing ain't there. He's oh. blessing where he's got you now. That's where he's told you to put down roots. That's where he's told you. And I'm talking about it any way in life. If he's called you out of a job and you keep trying to get him to bless you there, it ain't going to happen. He's called you out of a family. It ain't going to happen. Called you out of a church. It ain't going to happen. This is what we've really got to come into alignment with. So our mouth, our heart, and our emotions can align with heaven. And I think you have to, uh, if you're going to look at, at calling out, mm -hmm. then um, people who say, well, I'm, I'm just doing this and I'm just doing that. Then you look at the fruit that it's bearing. If it's bearing compromise and if it's bearing, uh, you know, having to surrender to someone comfortability. and the comfortability, then you, you're, not, you're not doing what God's wanting you to do and you're not bearing fruit. Jesus said if you don't bear the fruit, we just cut it off. That was a heavy word that he said when he said that tree, if it doesn't bear fruit, it's going to be cut down. Because that's so important to the Lord to bear the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I really see how this ties in and the Lord have us talk on Thanksgiving about this because those, those pilgrims, those people that said, right, 
we can't stay under this concept of your Christianity any longer. You know, King George, all those people that are ruling over them, the tyrants, we can't do your version of God any longer. It doesn't satisfy us. So we have to go to a place where we can worship with all our heart. You know what I'm saying? And I know that wasn't their only motivation, but they loved the Lord. And funny enough, the fruit that shows from their actual separation is basically the nation of the United States. Yeah. From that small decision to not let anyone define who God said they were except God. And it really doesn't matter. And they left all behind. And they lost so many people. And so I'm going to be straight here. It doesn't matter if the cabal or if any, you know, what do they call those Jews? Gazeri. Kazarian yeah. Jews. It doesn't matter if they were first, last, or whenever they came to this land, okay? It's what God sent here. Yeah, exactly. Not what the enemy did. It's what God sent here. That's the thing yeah. that's going to last. Well, funny enough, we, I know what you're talking about. Most people will say, oh, the Phoenicians were here first. And yeah, other the people, Phoenicians. The yeah. Native Americans. But guess what? It was the choice that they made yeah. that God blessed yeah. to bring fruit to this nation. And I'm not having a go at any Native oh, Americans no, here. not at all. But God had to use their choice to birth a nation. Yeah. Not anyone else's choice. And Why? Because they had to leave something behind. And, and that's the same exactly what the message is today. Never going back around this way again. Leaving it behind. So that's really what it's all about, isn't it? Even the very earth today and everyone in it is battling and trying to see what God, the Holy Spirit, is saying. It's leave it behind. You can't see the future. You can't see where you are if you don't leave the past behind. Oh, that was a pretty direct and powerful, powerful portal. And I think we don't need to say anything else. We need to let it land and simmer but in their I spirits. It's, it's going to land for all of us. All of us. That's landing in me. The thing you said about parenting, about God's version of who they should be versus yeah. your version. I mean, I got that revelation and told you in the break, but that's just hitting me to do with even Ezekiel right now yeah. and what he's going through. Yeah. It's how God wants Zeke to speak, not how I want him to speak. Yeah. And it, it's also... I get that. And it's well. also letting God be God. And be parent. And, and, but letting him be God and tie up everything that's been hanging around your life, like loose ends that hang around your life, and they are so tormenting. They can be torturous. They're unfinished, unfinished. And then suddenly, if you just say, well, I'm, I'm not going to do a thing, but I'm here, but I'm not doing a thing. Tell me where to be and I'll be there. And seriously, it is the most exciting thing to see God start to tie up. And as he ties things up, you feel so much more secure. Yes, oh my Lord. 
So true. You do. Yeah. That's it real is. security when you know that he's tying tied up. up the loose yeah, ends. tying them up. Yeah, and you don't. From family? Because when you tie them up, oh, you always have to go back and you always get that feeling like, is it finished? Yeah, yeah. Do I have to keep it? Is there something else have I need I to do? Have I got to keep it, it alive in there? Is there something else I need to say? Is there something else do I need to Do I have to, to remind send? you, God? Something else I need to pay when the Lord ties no. it up? No, oh. The Jericho comes down, it Do comes I have down. to keep reminding you, Lord, this is untied? Yep. No, when he does it, the walls come Family, down and they stay down forever. Money, <laughs> career, nation. Dr. Robin. Future. D Dr. Robin. You don't have to keep reminding him. You let him remind you. Bye-bye. All right. She tying it up now. So Shania wants to remind you of something. <laughs> that she tied up portals. <laughs> come on. Tell him. You don't have to remind him. Let him remind you. Hit that portal. Say amen. If you're happy and you know it, say amen.